God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ah, I love our country. I am so grateful to live in America. And I'm, I'm grateful because we get to do so much around the world. Do you realize that? I mean, we're still the number one by far. Everybody say by far. The number one giving country to missions around the world. There's not even a close second. There's other countries that serve and give and go. America, because of the position God's put us in, has really blessed the world with the gospel. Do you know that? And so I believe we have a place to, uh, and a part to play in, in these last days to honor the Lord and to continue to get the gospel out. Amen? That's a good, that is a good mandate from the Lord, don't you think? That's a good mandate from the Lord. And, and besides that, our country was founded on Christ, Christian principles. And, and these men did love God and did have their faults. <laughs> they made plenty of mistakes. Guess what? Me and you too, right? They just had theirs aired out for everybody to see. But we were founded on Christian principles. And so there's, there's an honor behind that, that God is honoring us to continue the gospel go around the world. So don't ever, ever, ever forget that. Amen? God is good. Okay, I want to say something about the Thanksgiving boxes because next week um, we will have the food here. Um, we will have boxes here. And so after service, we are going to um, lock all the doors so you can't leave. And... <laughs> And then we're going to put these Thanksgiving boxes together. And there's, uh, there's going to be about 50 of them. I'm, not, I'm kidding about the locked doors. Nobody panic. Um, we, uh, it goes so much faster when there's a whole bunch of people. Last, last year, we did it in just record time. And there were people like, okay, what can I do? There's no room. There's, there's something to do. But it helps because we put these boxes together. We load them in the trailer. And then we take them over uh, first thing. We're going to take them over first thing Monday morning. This following, not today, the following Monday from week from tomorrow, and we put them in the school, and we hand them out to these families. They come get them on teacher conference week, and uh, so if you can stick around and help with that, that's great. <clears throat> um, I don't know if Chris mentioned it, but we're at, right now we're at $210 toward that. We're shooting for $1,500, uh, so be thinking about that. It's about 30 bucks per meal that we are giving, uh, per family that we're giving away, uh, so be thinking about that, what you can do to be involved in that. Uh, it's a great blessing to the community. The school, when I call and say, hey, this is Corey from Westside, she's like, Corey, <laughs> you're doing Thanksgiving, right? They're just so excited to have us come and be a blessing to their kids because they, they need it. They need it. Uh, so be thinking about that. Amen? Amen. But a good. This is a generous church. You know that? It is. Very there are people that come and visit and uh, uh, some of the guest ministers that we've had come in and speak for us, and they are astonished how much you guys give for a, for a church this size. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. That means there's great harvest coming. Amen. Whoppers of a seed produce whoppers of a harvest. Amen? Amen? We're a generous church. Come on, say, that's me. I'm generous. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, that's me. I'm generous. Yeah, that'll do you good. That'll do you good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is the last, uh, the last in the series of, of generous living, generosity, being generous. Um, not to, again, we have exhausted the subject, but uh, it's time to move into another subject. And so this will be our last week. But I just want to touch on a few things, um, kind of solidify some points, drive them home, uh, encourage you to make some ch changes uh, in your decision making so it'll help you to step more into the generous category. Can you do that? Uh, I think it helps to have some steps, um, things to think about. I'll give you some of the things that I did that the Lord challenged me to do that really helped me to step out of my comfort zone into a more generous type lifestyle and, uh, and just looking for opportunities to be generous. Amen? Because it's not about the amount, right? It's about where you're at because anybody can be generous. You know that? 
No matter where you're at, anybody can be generous. You got $5 in your hand, you can be generous. Amen? So it's important. So let's look at the, the verse I've been starting out with, just so you understand where my heart is each and every time. Philippians 4, 16 and 17. Paul says um, to this church in Philippi, uh, in the Amplified, uh, the classic edition, he says, For even in Thessalonica, you sent to me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. Paul understood that when you sow into the kingdom, there's an account being built up for you, right? And we're not, in a sense, giving just to get, although it's foolish to plant and not expect a harvest. But we're not expecting to get from that which we have given to, right? If you are generous to someone, you're not expecting them to return the favor. Now you're just trading favors, right? So we learn to give and know that the Lord sees it. It's added to that account and it's impacting the kingdom of God. When you're nice and you're kind and you're generous, that generosity, that kindness is a spiritual thing. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Did you know that? So you can be good to someone. God can use you to be good to someone and that can lead somebody to repentance. That can lead someone to say, there is a God. You know that? So look for opportunities because God will use you. If you're open, he'll use you. He will find ways to get things into your hand that you can sow into somebody else's life. Okay, everybody good? So I, again, I'm not taking an offering after this. I'm not trying to get anything from you. We're good. The church is good. You guys are generous. I'm just challenging us to take another step go up to the next level. Amen? Because there's more levels. Is that true? Have you found that out in your spiritual walk? There's more. And when you figure that one out, guess what? There's another step. And then you figure that one out and then there's a, another step. You just keep growing. That's why it says we, we are learning and growing from faith to faith. Yeah? So we're growing. Amen? Thank you, Lord. All right. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. In the Amplified, the love, the love there means he takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful giver. And the cheerful is also translated hilarious. It's also translated laughing. A laughing giver. Did you know that? A laughing giver. How can you give into the kingdom and sow with a laughing heart, a cheerful heart? It takes a mindset that understands what's going on when you do this with the right heart. There's a movie that's my, my genre, my era, right, called Back to the Future. Anybody familiar? <laughs> chuckle, 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 right. So why don't we have hoverboards yet? That's what I want to know. What's going on where we're not levitating? Okay, um, they said it would be happening by now. Um, but this, in this movie, um, this guy goes to the future, grabs a sports almanac, and then takes it back to the past, and then becomes a gajillionaire because he bets on these games and wins a bunch of money. And I got to thinking about that, like, what would it look like if we really understood that this giving is truly cheating the system? I mean, it, 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 giving unto the kingdom of God is truly cheating the system because God says, what you sow, you will reap. You will reap it. Amen. And so the reason why he can say that God loves a cheerful, hilarious, laughing giver is that we know something that most everybody else doesn't. That when you sow that seed, it doesn't disappear. It goes in and starts working on your behalf and for the kingdom of God. Because when you start to give to God, he realizes you're proving it with your giving that you can be trusted. 
And now, he, now he's like, well, we need to increase them because as increase comes, they can be trusted to give more. Because if we can't give in the little stuff, trust me, if you're waiting to hit, hit it big, if you're waiting to hit the lotto, right? Powerball, come on, baby, five, red five. If you're waiting for that to, to start giving, guess what? You won't. When you're faithful in the little, you'll also be faithful in the much. And so we can look at a giving opportunity and go, ha ha, another chance, another chance to sow seed and dive in. This is working. This is working for the kingdom and it's working for me and it's working in my account in heaven. And it's, and it's accumulating and it's growing. And that means we're going to have access to it both in this life and in the next. That's why we can give and just chuckle to ourselves. It's like, this is working. This is working. Giving is such a powerful tool. It's, it is directly and indirectly tied to our spiritual growth. Did you know that? The, the, old, the old joke is that uh, some folks like to baptize, but they baptize with their wallet out of the water. Like, dunk me, and I'll just, you know, they don't want to baptize the whole, <laughs> everything that I am. When we get baptized, we say, Lord, I'm giving you everything that's part of me, everything. Man, giving's so powerful. I'm telling you this from experience. I'm living this out, and I'm growing in it. Thank God I'm still growing in it. I believe it's endless. I believe you keep growing in generosity right up until we see Jesus come back. And it can increase more and more and more. Do you know that? That's why we can laugh. We can be hilarious. We can be cheerful. Joyous, prompt to do it. A giver whose heart is full in his giving. We know something that the world doesn't know. This isn't disappearing. We don't pass a plate here, but I've, you know, I've actually seen people at offering time. I used to usher in a big church when I was in Bible school and <laughs> you'd see people give and, and uh, the buckets are being passed, you know, and people would reach for their wallets. Oh, I forgot. And so they get something out and they're, you know, they're trying to honor the Lord and they, they put something in. And I'm not kidding you, this has happened so many times. Dude or the gal just watches the bucket go all the way down to the end. <laughs> there it goes. Man. It's like, sayonara. <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's just, just a misunderstanding of what we're doing. And that's why we put the box in the back. It, I, I felt mandated up by the Lord in this season in our church to teach on giving so that we do it not out of compulsion, but we do it with the right heart. And when you do it with the right heart, you don't have to put it in, in a bucket next to your neighbor or dig something out real quick while they're passing the buckets. We did this ahead of time. We thought about this ahead of time. The giving was done when, I know, I know when the check comes in, what's, what's going to go out. And then there's extra set aside to do what extra, whatever else the Lord has prompted me to give to. So out of a heart of wanting to give, I don't need to be compulsed into handing something into the plate. Do you see that? It, the buckets were never intended to be compulsion. It works out that way because people feel obligated. They were designed because they had started having tent meetings in the 30s and the 40s, and there were thousands and thousands of people. And they could literally not do it effectively and safely without passing buckets and doing it, having security and then taking the money and depositing it. I mean, that's how it started. You understand that? So, you know, in our church, there's not really a necessity for that. I just teach on giving and we put it in the box in the back, amen? But don't just let this be the only place you give either. Make sure you're sowing seed in the, in the soil God's challenging you to. We give, Cody and I give seed into other ministries that sow into us, that we've received uh, teaching from and benefit from. And we honor that teaching by giving and sowing. And we, we become partners with them. 
You know that? When you sow and you give, there's a partnership that Paul talks about where you partake of the same reward and anointing that's on the minister that you've given to. God's designed it this way. It's a partaking of what they're doing. Your reward comes in when their reward comes in. It's partnership. So again, this isn't a compulsion. This is just a challenge. God's challenging all of us. Okay, what are you going to do? What are you gonna, how are you going to give? And, and what does that look like for you? Because everybody can be generous no matter where you're at. Amen? You guys okay? Boy, it's quiet in this church. All right. Thank you, Lord. Your joy is part of the harvesting factor and your giving factor. God wants a cheerful giver, but also maintaining that attitude of joy and cheerfulness comes in in the harvest time. I think as a church, just over the decades that the church has been around, I think the church has learned to be giving, that we've learned to be charitable. We've seen that in the world, right? People give to charities and they, they sell their time and their talent, their treasure. They do these things. But I think as, a, as church goes in general, we've neglected the harvesting of the crop that we've sown seed in, meaning that there's, there's something else that has to be done by the farmer to bring the crop in. Amen. It's a lot of work at harvest time. Anybody know that? Any of my hares or my wheat, wheat croppers, right? When it's, when it's harvest time, there's a ton of work. But it's a culmination of all the seed time and the planting and the fertilizing and make, you know, the watering, all of that. Then there's a harvest time. And God says that we're going to reap a harvest. Well, how do we do that? There's some effort involved in that, right? There's some faith and some believing in that. That means you're going to have to put your hand to something. Amen. And, and God will show you what, what to put your hand to. He'll give you great ideas to put your hand to. And, and you'll see harvest come in into your hand because of these ideas that God has given you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We said this, that he who sows sparingly, this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And that your harvest, come on now, your harvest never gets confused. If you sow sparingly, it's labeled sparing, and your address is on it. It will come back. If it's sown generously, it'll be reaped generously, and your address is on it, and it will come back, and it never gets confused. Nobody ever got your generous, your generous harvest, stole it out from under you. The system can't be hacked. That's why we can laugh and chuckle when we give. This system can't be hacked. This works every time. God's system of giving, sowing, and reaping works every time. It's beautiful. It works in every area. Thank you, Lord. Right? Amen. God is good. And we said this, our personal generosity is a direct reflection of our understanding of who God is and his generosity. When we understand how good God's been to us, we can let things out of our hand. Amen? We can let our time, we can let our talent, we can do things for other people and just know God is the rewarder of those that seek him and he has been good to me. So I can be good to others. Yeah? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Everybody warm enough? I feel like I could start a fire up here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We haven't even put up lights yet. These are just fluorescents, and it's hot up here. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians 9. You guys doing okay? Isaiah 32, 8 says, we said this before, but a generous man devises generous things and by generosity he shall stand. A generous man or woman devises generous things and by their generosity they shall stand. That means when the storm's coming at you, generosity will make you to stand. 
Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians says this. This is important. Second Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 10. It says this, now, now may he, capital H, that's the Lord, now may he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is a beautiful scripture because he says he provides the seed for you to sow. So he's asking us to sow, but he's saying, I'm going to give you the seed. That's amazing. You're, gonna, you're giving me the seed, and if I sow it, you promise that it would produce a harvest to come back into my life so that I can have more seed, so that I can sow again and just keep doing this. He's like, yeah. He will provide the seed to sow. That means that there's something that the Lord wants to put in your hand that he wants you to sow. There's something he wants to put in your hand that he wants you to sow. This uh, friend of mine in Bible school, he was telling the story about believing God for shoes, right? When you're in Bible school, I mean, this is kind of a joke, but when you're in Bible school, you learn uh, to like Top Ramen a lot because you eat it a lot, right? There's just not a whole lot of extra floating around when you're in school. Anybody remember the school days, right? It was, it was, there was some, they were some thin days sometimes. And uh, he's believing God for shoes. He did not have good shoes. He had okay shoes, believing God for shoes. I think we should use our faith all the time. All of us should have our faith on something at any given moment and watch victory after victory happen. Because when you get a victory, that's a testimony for the next one, right? So have something on your list you're believing God for, but he's believing God for shoes. And somebody came and put 50 bucks in his hand. This is in the late 80s. Somebody came and put 50 bucks in his hand and said, uh, I don't know what this is for, but I was prompted to give this to you. And he's like, well, that, he knew exactly the spirit of God on the inside. That's shoe money. That's shoe money. So he set that aside and he's believing God for shoe money. So he gets this shoe money and he's like, yes, thank you, Lord. He, you know, when you're believing God for something and God puts something in your hand and you know by the spirit of God that that's what it was for, that's exciting. It's like, yes, he came through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Same day. Got 50 bucks, burning a hole in his pocket, right? Same day, he goes into prayer school. It's an after, uh, after Bible school type thing where people pray and learn how to pray and grow in the Lord. And he's in there and he's, kinda, he's just got this lightness and happiness about what's going on because he just received from God for shoe money. Thank you, Lord. And he's praying and believing God. And there's a, there's a minister there that's there to speak for this, this prayer school this particular day. And he looks down and he sees this guy and the Holy Spirit prompts on the inside, he says, Give him your shoe money. What? I just got the shoe money. Like, I mean, I literally just got the shoe money. And he's having this, you ever had an argument with God in your head, this discussion? Not an argument, like, uh, you know, he tells you to do something and, and the Lord's like, well, and he goes, well, I'm not saying no, I'm just thinking about it. Just give me a minute. <laughs> what? And then he hears this. He says, it's brown shoes. Brown shoes? Really? So he has, again, this discussion. Prayer school is like an hour long. Gets to the end of prayer school. He's made up his mind. I heard from God. I realized I just received, I just received what I was believing for, but I've heard from God, and I'm going to do it. So he walks up to this guy, and he goes, listen, I'm, I, I don't know what this for, is for. I, he said, I don't know specifically if this is right. This is what he said. I don't know if this is specifically right, but I heard on the inside, this is for brown shoes. And he hands it to the minister who's sitting there with his wife. Well, him and his wife immediately burst into 
joyous jubilation. <laughs> They're so excited because the hour before prayer school, they joined hands as husband and wife and said, Lord, we need brown shoes and we're believing you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then an hour later, at the end of this service, somebody comes and goes, this is for brown shoes. And they're like, glory! <laughs> Thank you, Lord! And so he's like, okay, I heard right. I heard right. I got to sow seed. What he didn't understand was, is that while he's believing God for shoes, God put seed in his hands to sow into the kingdom into somebody else's shoes. And his testimony to this day is, I have never lacked for shoes. And he says, I have some nice shoes, and people give me shoes all the time. It's crazy. Alligator skin, ostrich skin, crazy, exotic, cool-looking dress shoes. People just, because he passed the test on his shoes. Do you understand that? And we've got to understand that there's times when God's going to put seed in our hand, and it's meant to be seed, but we can eat our seed. Did you know that? We can eat it. God will forgive us. He'll be gracious to us. He'll help us to pass the test again. We've got to discern as grown spiritual folk, this is seed. Because now, now he's got shoes that that $50 would have never bought. Right? This is the mentality God wants to put inside of each and every one of us. That we recognize when something comes in. Come on, don't eat your seed. Come on, seed doesn't taste good anyway. Right? It, it doesn't even go down right. Anybody had flaxseed? Come on. What is up with flaxseed? It's everywhere. They put it in everything. We didn't have them take it out of the donuts. Don't do that. We're fine. <laughs> seed doesn't taste good. Seed is meant for sowing. True? But when we get a picture of this, we can go, <laughs> I know what this is. This is seed. I could buy a half a pair of shoes with this 50 bucks. Or I could sow it into somebody else. And watch God bring increase. Come on, you might have to wait a little bit longer than you thought you were going to have to wait. But it's worth it. I told you that motorcycle story. The Lord prompted in my heart. I'd save money for a motorcycle, a little dirt bike when I was growing up. I was 17, 18 years old. God prompted in my heart, give that, give that away. No, it was younger than that. I was 15, 16 because I got my first one at 16. And he prompted on my heart, you need to give that money away. And I did. I gave it, I gave it into the kingdom. And I have never lacked for wanting a motorcycle. Two have been given to me. I get deals all the time. Every time I sell one, I do well. I mean, it's just, I have that personal testimony of honoring the Lord with a seed that would not have bought a dirt bike. 125 bucks. I remember that. It would not have bought a dirt bike at the time. It would have bought a bike and a box. That's what I would have gotten. Good luck. Put it together. But God honored that. Seed's important. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Generosity and a generous person sees life in the light of eternity. Come on, this isn't the end for you. This is just the beginning. We are just getting started. When Jesus comes back, eternity starts for us. Eternity's a long time. Long time. This is just the beginning. So when we start looking at it, this is, I can do this. This is going to matter forever. I can obey God. True? Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, turn to Luke. How do we become generous? How do we do this? How do we become generous? Luke chapter 19. Thank you, Lord. You guys okay? Verse 1. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house. 
Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short of stature. And he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was, grow- he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood. This is, this is in Zacchaeus' house, right? Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was a generous savior while he was here. Did you know that? He had 12 12 people on staff. He was uh, ministering all over on the road, all over the place. And he was supplying the needs of 12 staff members and their families the entire time he was in the ministry. These guys weren't working. They laid down their boats and their nets and their jobs and they followed Jesus. And Jesus had so much money coming into his ministry because he was generous that he had one guy assigned to the money box. Guess who that was? Judas, right? And Judas was so accustomed to taking from the money box for himself that it was going unnoticed. There was so much money coming in and going out. It was going unnoticed. Jesus was doing good. He was generous. He was constantly giving to the poor. So much so that when Judas got up to leave to go betray Jesus to the chief priests, that the other disciples just assumed that Jesus had said, go give some money to the poor. It's in the Bible. Read it. It's in, it's in there. And so Judas got up. He went to betray Jesus, took the money box. They just assumed, oh, Jesus must have told him to go give more money to the poor. Jesus was generous. And a generous Jesus who is liberal in sharing, right, with what he knew from the Lord, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, giving to the poor constantly. He just went and hung out with Zacchaeus at his house. And without even preaching to him, Zacchaeus stood up and said, I'm giving half of what I got to the poor, and if I've wronged anyone, I'm restoring it four times. Come on, just hanging around generous people will help you to be generous. Did you know that? Just being around people that are willing to, man, I want to be a giver. I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Thinking about it, planning it. A generous man that makes generous plans, and by his generosity he shall stand. You see that? you got to hang around the right kind of people. Do you know that? You hang around stingy people, guess what's going to get on you? It's stingy. Yeah, stinky, mingy. You don't want that. You want to hang around generous people. You want to learn how to be generous and be a giver? Hang around people that are givers. This is a great time of year. You know that? I mean, we get hit up from all, out, all the place, right? all over the place, don't we? Give to this, give to this, give to this. We want to be generous, but we also want to be smart. Amen? We want to be smart with where we sow. Pay attention to what the Spirit of God's saying on the inside. Amen? Sow into good ground, sow into good soil. Is that true? So pay attention this time of year. You know, even, even as a church, we, we ask that you think about extra stuff. You know, these Thanksgiving boxes, for instance, right? We ask that you think about that, how you could sow, how you could give, be a part of that. Um, we do the same thing at Christmas time for the same, basically the same kind of group of kids 
from a couple different schools where we just give them some stocking stuffers and uh, just some neat items that they are excited about every year. And I realize, I realize it's a lot in a two-month span, but guess what? God is good, and he's good to you. Is that true? And we purpose in our heart to be a blessing to others. God will get more to us. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So we just got to get around some people that are generous. This happened with David. Remember we talked about David and his mighty men when they came to him and they were distressed, discontent, and in debt? They were a mess. David's like, God, I could use a different bunch of people. These guys are a mess. But they turned into David's mighty men because they got around David who was generous. And he was mighty in faith. And they turned mighty in faith. Come on, there's a whole story in there. But they got generous. And then when David gave to the house of the Lord, his mighty men rose up and gave to the house of the Lord in the billions of our, our day's dollars. Because they hung around a generous, giving soul. Do you see that? David and his man. Let me read you a story. This is a good illustration. This actually happened. In 1973, Seoul, South Korea. David Young-Gi Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world that we know of. Uh, over a million members. They meet all over South Korea. It's amazing. But he did not start there. He started by himself, serving the Lord with a few people. Thank you, Lord. In 1973, the economy was in shambles. A young pastor who had vision from God was prompted to build a church to reach Seoul, the, Seoul, the South Korean people. <clears throat> However, people were out of work and there were few making a decent wage. The pastor incurred huge debts because of the construction costs and the structure was not nearly finished. He became depressed and almost suicidal. This is his story. He's tell, he tells us he became almost, almost suicidal because of the culture, the shame and the, and the disgrace of not being able to pay your debts was... A lot. He became almost suicidal. At one point, he even wished the ceiling rafters would fall on him and end his life. Knowing that only a miracle could save his dream that God gave him, he gathered together one evening to pray with other intercessors in their unfinished building. As they prayed, an old woman walked slowly to the pastor's direction. Tears filled her eyes as she stood before him. She said, Pastor, I want to give these items to you so that you may sell them for a few pennies to help out with our building fund. As he looked down, he could see in her wrinkled hands a common rice bowl and a pair of chopsticks. When that's all you got is a bowl to eat out of and something to eat out of and eat with, that's not much. True? All she's got. He said, sister, I can't take these necessities from you, the pastor said. But she insisted, these items are the only things in the world I possess you must let me give them to Jesus. I know I will die soon, so I don't want to meet Jesus without giving him something on this earth. As she handed him her humble gift, everyone in the room was overcome with emotion, and they choked back tears as they tried to lift up their prayers. Finally, a businessman in the back of the room was so deeply moved, he came forward. He saw what this poor woman had done and offered $1,000 to buy the rice bowls and the chopsticks. The spirit of giving was contagious, and one by one, everyone joined in and pledged their possessions and money to help finish the construction of the church building. From that day forward, rich and poor gave sacrificially, and incredible generosity swept through the congregation and the surrounding community. Within several months, the church was built, and the message of the gospel began to spread. As a result, hundreds of thousands of people through South Korea have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The church, is all, that, the church that almost got abandoned became one of the largest congregations in the world. And it started with a rice bowl and chopsticks. Think about that. Somebody willing to give the last thing they had in the world provoked others to step up and say, 
I can do better. Come on, you hang around people that are generous, that are willing to do some sacrificial giving. It'll it'll provoke something in you. It'll stir you up. Amen? Amen? That's how we get generous. We look for ways to be generous. We plan for ways to get generous. And we hang around with generous people. True. Come on, you hang around here long enough. There's people all, over, all around us, all, all over this place that are generous. Come on. You might be the only generous person you know. But you've got to hang around with some other generous people. And it's contagious because this said it spread throughout the community. We saw it in Zacchaeus. The goodness of God. Just hanging around Jesus. Seeing how generous and good he was. Provoke Zacchaeus to stand up and say, I'm giving half of this stuff away. And if I've taken anything by false accusation, I will restore it four times. Just hanging around Jesus. That's good news. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Okay. Galatians 6, verse 10 in the Amplified says this. He said, so then, on occasion, an opportunity opened to us. Let us do good. So then, as occasion and opportunity opened up to us, let us do good uh, morally to all people, not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage, being mindful of the blessing, especially to those who are of the household of faith those who belong to God's family with you, and the believers. This is like our anthem verse. When we are sowing generously with our time, our talent, and our treasure, the Bible says to make sure that we're doing this for their spiritual good and for their advantage, especially those of the household of faith. You know we're supposed to take care of each other? We're supposed to take care of each other and help each other out. And we have done that. You guys have been giving and sowing and helping each other. Come on, that's, that is good news. But there's other ways we can do that. It's our anthem verse for how we serve and honor the Lord in our church. That when we serve and honor the Lord, when we help, when we get involved in our local church, come on, that's our, that's our serving our brothers and sisters, our helping. Our kids, they're awesome. They are awesome. And they're learning about the Bible. And not just the Bible stories, but the spirit behind the Bible story. Being led by the Spirit of God, knowing that they have made righteous in God. And... Those of you that have served in kids and are serving in kids, come on, you know the value and the benefit of what we're putting into those guys. It's, it's a ministry. It's absolutely a ministry. And we could, we could, use, we could use help. We could use um, more people helping in the kids. I'm telling you, there's something valuable in that that is just amazing when you get to go in there. And we're not going to hand you a book and say, now go for it. <laughs> we have teachers. We have leaders. But we need, we need other people to come in and be a help. Hand out stuff, make sure the kids are staying on track and, you know, smiling face, kind, right? This is true across the board. We've got people that help usher, help clean. They work in the nursery. They work in sound. This is our anthem verse for working in the church, that we do all kinds of these things, that we honor the Lord with our time, right? Even Chris talked about youth, having people around the youth. Come on, the youth, they're, they're next up. Those youth kids are next up, Right? Be nice to them. They might be your boss, (laughs) right? They're next up. They're the next generation. And we got to put good things in them. I'm telling you, having somebody show up and love on them and just ask them questions, it goes a long ways. So think about that. Think about that. There's something in your hand. God's given you a gift and a talent. 
There's abilities in you. And he will ask us. When he comes back, he will ask us, what did you do with what I put in your hand? What did you do with the talents? We will stand before him. And he'll ask us, what did you do? Come on, you have something you can do. God's put something in you. There's a gift in there. He didn't leave you lacking. There's something in you to do, to give, to sow of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. There's something in you. Oh, there's great, there's great excitement when you get to do that, when you get to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? It's being generous. I know you're busy. I'm busy. Everybody's busy. We got stuff to do, right? This is, this is the generation in the world we live in. We are, we are rockers and rollers, right? We're, we are movers and shakers. We're getting stuff done. We got things to do, but we can't neglect the gift. We can't neglect the gift. You guys okay? It's true. So I want to encourage you. Pray about this. Think, think about what you can do, how you can be generous. Um, one of the things the Lord prompted me to do uh, over a year ago was to establish an account that I actually named generous. And I, and I put money into that account. So it's available for me to give when the Lord prompts, it, prompts my heart to sow into someone else or to another ministry. And I just, I just set that money aside. And it's not about the amount. It's about what you're setting aside, that you're planning to be generous. Amen? Uh, when we give, the Bible talks about tithes and offerings to understand what that means and what that looks like. Tithes is a tenth. Offerings are above and beyond that. Sowing seed, understanding what those numbers look like in your paychecks and where, where they go. Just knowing this is, this is the Lord's and I'm not going to touch it. I'd rather have 90% blessed by the Lord than keep all 100% for myself. It's a blessing. So just doing that on purpose. And then just to come to your talent and your treasure. There's things in you. There's time. We need, we need help in the church and the church can't go without people. And we have, we have really high volunteership around here. You guys are great, but it could be better. It could be more. So think about that. What can you do? Where can you serve? How can you put your hand to the plow to help the kingdom of God? It's a blessing. It's a blessing to serve the Lord. I'm telling you, it works every single time. He does not forget who is honoring him with their time. He never forgets that. You know what? Okay, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Last verse. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. The Jerusalem Bible says physical exercises are useful enough, but, he, but, but uh, usefulness of spirituality is unlimited since it, since it will hold out the reward of life here and uh, here and now and of the future life as well. And then Weymouth says this, train yourself in godliness. Exercise for the body is not useless, but godliness is useful in every respect, possessing as it does the promise of life now and of the life which is to come. Godliness produces life now and in the life to come. It's a promise. It's an absolute promise. We understand that because of what Scripture says. It's, it's a benefit to us, amen, to be godly, to pursue spiritual things. Not that we don't just leave our bodies alone. There is a use for that, to take care of ourselves, right? To eat right, to be healthy. But godliness is profitable for all things. Amen? You guys okay? Can I pray for you?